All right, let me get my my brain right here. Welcome everybody to the Mid Curve Podcast. It is time yet again. We are here on a weekly basis now. Amazingly, we are doing this every week because the market is demanding it. Uh, my name is Funky Donk, uh, aka Gavin Purcell. I am a semi-serious, not full-time, but but uh, fortunately uh, for my brain, unfortunately for my brain, probably ending up there soon, trader and degenerate and um, somewhat uh, of an AI enthusiast slash scammer, however you want to view that world. Uh, and welcome to this podcast. We uh, Midcurve is a group of traders and a bunch of other types of people who uh, supposedly know something about the market, but that is to be determined. You never really know where we're going. Um, I'm going to introduce everybody who's on our pod. Let everybody introduce themselves who's on our pod first, and then we will jump into some market conversation. Um, Grant, do you want to do a quick intro of yourself? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Grant. I come from the traditional uh, consulting world, and uh, in our pre-show preps, Funky was kind enough to remind me that I hadn't been outside in a while, so... <laughs> It's a cave crawl at this point. You could walk around with the if you get those glasses, Grant, you could walk around and stay connected the whole time. You get those meta glasses. That's what it sounds like you need. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. We're, Eric, why don't you introduce yourself real fast? Hey guys, uh, it's Eric. I was a former TradFi weirdo, and now I do. I'm a full time Web three weirdo. Great. And Eric, what's your sleep schedule like these days? Um, non 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 existent. <laughs> You know what I want to talk briefly about today is how dogs get really annoying when you haven't slept very much. You've got a dog. My dogs are amazing. I love them. But if you wake up after a four or five hour sleep and they bark doing their normal barking, they are so much more annoying. I find I find it fascinating to my brain that I, I like my dogs less when I have less sleep. So this is another reason to get more. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Sadie, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, hey guys, I'm Sadie. I work in private equity, uh, financial services, private equity, and DGen at night. But now it seems kind of like all the time. Um, and to just get ahead of that sweet question, I haven't slept in a decade, so no. Oh damn, damn! That is some that is some bragging, I guess. Right? We're in a world where, by the way, the the I'm gonna thing... die in like a year. D yeah, don't, nothing to aspire to. That's what I was gonna say. It's like the sad thing is in crypto. The life expectancy, people may end up making a lot of money, but the life expectancy is probably much shorter, which ultimately is not the best thing. Um, let's start with, um, you know, we all love the word uh, vibes, but let's start with a vibe check. I think we're in and, you know, you can hear us talking about lack of sleep. It means there are things happening. There were not things happening for months on end, some would say a, a year plus. And now we are in a world where things definitely seems to be ha seem to be happening pretty regularly. Um, Eric, why don't we start with you? Uh, I, I know the macro conversation points are, are not the most exciting things in the world, but in the crypto world, there seems to be actually things going on kind of constantly. What what are your feelings right now, just kind of general market sense? And, you know, I, we know how you're feeling personally, but like in terms of opportunity, where do you think we are? I think we're setting the table for next year. Um, you know, obviously, market as a whole has, has seen... A pretty vicious squeeze up but I, I think in the context of um where we are as a space we're just really getting started and you're starting to see, I, I think like you're starting we're so to see early a, eric we're so early yeah. we're so early i mean, I mean we're, we're starting to see a return of like the prior cycle tr uh, tropes right like right, so right i i really you know i think the the good thing is we've got through we've gotten through 
multiple systemic events and and largely you know the space remains very much intact i think the bad news or good news regardless of how you look at it is we as a whole collectively learn absolutely nothing um and so i think it's just you know it's just gonna lead to more degeneracy and we're just we're literally just gonna run back the same shit over uh again the cycle um and it'll just be more stupid but but that i think like you know as a trader and investor that gets me excited because because it just means like um you're you know more malleable counterparties um so I think as as we set this up, we're just gonna start to see a return of like really stupid valuations for things. Um, there is gonna be outrageous exuberance over, you know, how the space is gonna develop. Um, and every like, you know, everyone and their dog is gonna is literally gonna drop a token or multiple tokens. And so there, there's gonna be a lot of opportunity, but you know, um I, I, I think it's just we're we are now like setting up for the Sort of max mental illness, super <laughs> degen, 1000x leverage phase of the market. Oh, Lord, I hate to hear you say that because I can already project myself forward in my state of my body, the state of my face, the state of everything that involves me going forward into that world. Um, uh, Sadie, what about you? Where are you outside of the uh, physical problems we're all going to have to deal with in this world? Do you, do you kind of agree with Eric and what his assessment is there? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, every cycle, the space or those of us that have seen cycles before becomes a little bit more self-aware. So I actually enjoy, I've enjoyed some of the kind of ironic memes and motifs that have trended when all that was left in the space were insiders like Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, you know, that is the type of thing that you get when only folks who have seen it are still around. I think we're seeing more and more things like grok, right? Which is like a normie thing. Um, and so, you know, I think on the one hand that's bullish because because that capital, you know, does seem to at least preliminarily be coming in, at least in small amounts. Um, but we all have to shift our focus away from the things that appeal to like total degens to the things that appeal to like a slightly broader audience. I think that's super smart. And that's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I think that's an interesting way to look at what Doge has been doing as well, too. Like if you're not familiar, Doge is up, I think, to a dime, which is one of it. I think it's pretty, pretty significant uh, high over a certain period of time. And, you know, Doge just is one of those things that you kind of get a sense of like, OK, this is like the degenerate token that's kind of much more mainstream in a bigger way and has been. And not to say that it's not very old and there won't be bigger, different versions of that. But like, we probably haven't seen, if we'll see it, you know, a safe moon or a Shiba kind of like hit. I mean, the question is always like, you know, where did the money come from to make Shiba or safe moon into what they were? And probably it came from a lot of normies in the in terms of like getting to the certain size and i think actually another interesting point you bring up is like pepe right like pepe is something that i think their market cap is now around 500 million somewhere around that and it's had some ups and downs and i think a lot of people are betting on pepe to be a pretty big winner in a world where uh, a bunch of money comes in but i'm not 100% convinced that's a mainstream token i don't know what do you think about that say uh i agree with you i think I think, and this is just my view, I think Pepe is um, a crypto Twitter's view of what a mainstream token looks exactly. like. Exactly. That's exactly what right. a mainstream token look like, looks like is more like SafeMoon. 
Yeah, I think that that's kind of where I land as well. Um, Grant, what about you? Where uh, you know, as somebody who hasn't been outside in very long, uh, where do you feel like we are? Are you feeling like uh, kind of in agreeing with Sadie and Eric that this is kind of like the setting of the table time where we're going to see all this stuff kind of play out over the next year? Yeah, next year at least. I think everyone who's ever done non-custodial stuff in in crypto is fully aware that we are uh, back. I mean, just kind of looking at some of the deals that have passed down, uh, the attitude of some founders and other participants in the, in the market compared to uh, just a few months ago, like there's just been a, a tonal shift for sure, right? So it tells me that, you know, we, we're not there yet in terms of kind of institutional and, and, and retail flows, but everyone who's ever had money and experienced um, great heights and also <laughs> extremely deep lows, uh, thanks to crypto, is is fully back and paying attention. Yeah, you know, uh, Grant, what did you get involved in crypto? What year, like, what what year did you fully kind of push in on? Uh, like the first purchases were like top shots on Flow, uh, some metaverse project that I had to send via PayPal for, uh, but I'm not minting a Polygon. And then third MT was, I think, a board ape. Uh, so it was like spring, summer, 2021. Okay, yeah. so you you weren't like fully in on the, like you, you kind of like came in on this last wave. Um, did he, Sadie or Eric, did either of you, were either of you pushed in like in the 2016, 2017 range? Mm, no. No. I, okay. I mean, I, I tried. Uh, I actually, one of the trades that I wanted to make in 2016 was to buy ETH at $5, but my place of work at the time um, would not allow me for compliance issues. Oh, interesting. So yeah. that's the fascinating thing. I always think about like how I I have so, as somebody who grew up in the liberal arts path rather than the financial path, I always forget about that. But like, there is a rule against that, right? Like at certain places, you cannot buy for yourself even. Is that correct? Yeah. So so it really depends on where you work. Um but you know, that was like kind of one of those situations where it just it was very hard for me from to own digital assets at the time. Uh, and what I had was effectively grandfathered in from from when I worked elsewhere. Um, right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, OK, let's shift around a little bit here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the NFT market specifically. We'll touch on a couple of things. I, I want to touch a little bit on what's going on with Sol. We talked about this last time, and then we'll get into some ETH NFTs as, for, as well. So, Sol and the Sol market seems to keep going. Um, it sounds like you know, even on the Sol shitcoin side, there's a big, I think, a big bonk drop, right? Like, there's a bunch of people getting a bunch of possibly a bunch of uh, money on Sol. Um, do you all? I, the question I have about this is. As somebody who has mostly stayed away from the Sol ecosystem, we asked this question last week too, which I think it's not a bad follow-up considering we now have a week later on it. I've seen a couple people start to be a little less bullish. In fact, I can't remember what the tweet was I read this morning, but there was a tweet from somebody that somebody shared about the idea that they at one point thought Sol was going to take off, and now they're kind of more uh, towards leaning towards pushing their chips back to ETH, or some of them at least. Um do we think this Saul moment that we saw or that we're in the middle of still is kind of a uh, a small blip on a road to, you know, 250 Saul, or we feel like this is something the narrative might kind of die out here? Um, Grant, you have you have some, I think you're in Mad Lads and you have some other stuff in Saul. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, th I think we, we talked about this last time. Um, just, you know, 
what does dad may never die? Uh, and you know, whether or not you believe in this being like a viable competitor to ETH, like doesn't matter, right? Like there's like five figures of free money essentially being airdropped to people who, who took the time to pay attention to the ecosystem and farmed a little bit uh, as we speak. Um, and that just, as we know, like creates a flywheel effect for uh, new routes to, to, to rise up as well as just, you know, existing what are considered blue chips to, to continue going up. Right. So like, will it outperform EVM and, and, and other alt ecosystems? I have, I have no idea, but yeah, I think Solkin can, can continue its momentum uh, a little bit over the next year. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Eric or Sadie, either of you have thoughts on the Sol ecosystem as it stands like this week versus even last week? I mean, I don't think anything has really changed for me. I just, I think these performant alt chains and alt twos will just continue to catch a bid. Um, next cycle, just one, simply because it's, it's just, it's just easy fodder for people because these are, these things are like mystery boxes, like they could be anything. Um, even though most of them don't do much, uh, and and then two, I think it's it's you know there is like this narrative of a sense of urgency in the space where if you look at the big CT accounts, everybody's like last cycle. This is the last cycle before suits come in. You'll never have these opportunities again, and I, I think that actually adds juice to the overall degeneracy mm. because you know for like everyone is coming with the mindset that this is the last dance um, and they're just going to push for for anything that has the beta of vault to like outperform, you know, BTC and ETH, right? You see that in, you see this in perp markets all the time with people, how people play with leverage. You see this in, um, you know, how degenerate people are with altcoins. Um, and I, so I, I think, you know, these, these, all chains like Sol will continue to catch a bit simply because like as long as there's a viable narrative, you know, they are um they are areas where money can flow easily in size. And so money moves in, generally speaking, moves in the path of least resistance. Um and so they will continue to catch bids and flows, especially as I would say like more retail um and sideline capital or outsider capital continues to rotate into the space that makes sense there's that there's the the helium uh phone plan which is like i think in terms of actual execution is like laughably not going to work uh like ludicrous in terms of <laughs> actual adoption uh but like you, you see those grassroots coming up right like the mobile stuff the solana phone the the, the helium network um Coinbase, you know, listing all these like new Solana coins, like it's. I think it's hard to like not have some involvement in the ecosystem because it's just less competitive, even still uh, after this like massive run uh, than ETH and and all the other kind of very hyped uh, L2 chains coming. Yeah, I, I will give Solana a lot of credit, right, because they survived basically what I think would have killed. Oh yeah, um, and most of the protocols and builders um, were able to extricate themselves from Alameda and FTX and and continue to ship product. And and now that that's you know that's led to what is what has basically what is now basically like free money airdrop season for for the ecosystem. Sorry, sorry, Sadie, what were you gonna say? Um, I was just going to say, I think the evolving dialogue on Solana is just indicative of how early we are. It's still in this new cycle during the bear 
my thesis was like liquidity concentrates on ETH, so focus on ETH just because there isn't enough liquidity to like pump anything else ever. Um, I think even now, this is still a liquidity game. And so this week it was Bitcoin uh, ecosystem that pumped. And so Solana kind of lost the narrative, right? Because just the capital went elsewhere. I think probably there's money to be made in in, in playing those kind of over extrapolations in terms of, you know, Twitter sentiment, because the reality is, I think, to Grant and Eric's point, nothing has actually changed. But the minute anything slows down, and by slows down, I mean, it's probably down 30 to 40% after being up, you know, 200, 300, 400, um, everyone turns bearish. But the reality is, you don't know what next week cycle is going to be, and it could very well be going back. That's it's so funny when you say that because I thought a lot about that. And this is maybe a good transition over to what we saw this week with the uh BRC ordinals kind of moves, right? Because like when you kind of like get granular and when you have these lives where you spend all this time all day long looking at a Dex Spy or looking at Dex tools or, or Dex screener and watching these coins go up and down, there was this huge move over the last week um when when Bitcoin uh went kind of uh, crazy into the BRC ecosystem with, I think, already hitting a $55 uh, high, a a bunch of other stuff. And then it almost feels sometimes like overnight, there is this like shift of momentum. And it's still, we're still at a place where the, the number of players are small enough where that can happen. But I assume as we get to larger flows, larger inflows and, and larger money kind of in the system, it'll probably won't be as extreme. But Sadie, is that kind of what you're, you're kind of thinking of? Like that kind of like momentum shift in terms of like at least sentiment? I just think there's like enough barriers to, you know, free flow of capital across these ecosystems that, um, you see it really acutely when capital is limited. Uh, to your point, I think as more capital enters the system, it's it's less that I think the prices will still fluctuate, but you won't see the same sort of like one week the focus is on you know XL one, the second week it's you know we Solana week, Bitcoin week, Arb week. You know, to some yeah. degree, I think we're seeing that now. That's still an improvement over the last eight months when it was just ETH <laughs> all the time. It was no week. There was no week. It was like even though ETH was there, it was there wasn't a lot of other stuff either. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about BRCs a little bit. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around the BRC ecosystem. A bunch of tokens in that space uh, jumped quite a bit. Um, some of us in Curve are in a fair amount of them. Uh, uh, I will say the token TERT, which I am not in, but a lot of people are degenerating, uh, sorry, degenerating into in the uh, world of mid-curve. Uh, Grant, what do you see for that world right now? Do you think that's a real thing? Do you feel like those are going to like stick around that people will build on BRC over time? And, you know, there was some FUD from the Bitcoin devs that kind of took a lot of those tokens down a little. But I'm curious to know what you think about that world and that ecosystem at large. Um by the FUD, I guess. Like, I don't, hmm. I'm not super close to the ecosystem. I will say I was like probably one of the first people to call it out in the summer or when, um, not summer, like February or something, like in our group. Um, but I played it laughably, terribly <laughs> uh, in terms of like trading and, and minting and all that stuff. Um, I think it's reminiscent of like early ETH days where I don't really have confidence in and a lot of the builders and think a lot of them are outright uh, bad people. Uh, but I think the money will be real to participants and that's ultimately what matters. And the friction is incredibly high, like much more so than 
EVM and, and Solana. Yeah, it's interesting to see um, also in a weird way, the narrative of Bitcoin Maxis hating it kind of helps it, I think, right? Because it gives it like this almost like a um, rebel attitude, which I think it, it can it will go up and down. But I think there's an interesting side there. Um, Eric, what about you? Uh, what's your take on the BRC ecosystem? Yeah, I think um, I think, you know, it's going it is it's a narrative that's going to continue to run just just because it has um capitalist mercenary and as as long as there's a juice to squeeze you know people are 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 going to try to participate to make a quick buck uh, i agree with brand that i don't think this builders in this space are particularly high quality i think most of them are probably creators or project uh you know founders that have effectively been run off of ETH um, <laughs> that are now kind of finding yeah. a second life in like, you know, Solana uh, on, a, on, on a, like Bitcoin, right? Um, and I, I think like, you know, to be frank, like the some of the Bitcoin core devs like throwing hissy fit over, over like, you know, ordinals and BRC20s taking up block speed and increasing fees, like, it's just childish and it kind of you continues to fuel the hated rally. Um, so you know, it's it's kind of created like its own narrative as this like lo-fi version of art. Um, where I, I guess it's like what like in in, in like in film, like it, it's just like if you're shooting on like, you know, 30 millimeter film or something like that. I feel like you can that's like the same narrative when it comes to BRC twenties. Mm -hmm. Like I don't I haven't really seen I don't I haven't seen really anything super like thought provoking or novel, but it's just it's just another realm where we can play the low liquidity shipping game and and yeah, you know somebody is trying to make money off of someone else. Yeah, I mean it doesn't seem like it's that it's that new. And I think you're oh, the interesting thing. I think your your point about the the ETH people moving over to BRC is like a lot of these projects are started on ETH as a possible uh, BRC bridge of some sort and definitely feel weird and sketchy-ish. Um, okay, let's move on to really what was the big ETH NFT story of the week, which was the kind of the Pudgies uh, liftoff. And uh, a full disclosure, I own a couple of Pudgies. I'm not sure uh, if anybody else here does. Feel free to disclose or not. Um, but I find this super interesting mostly because it feels like to me this is kind of the market trying to pick a, an early winner in the in the kind of like established ETH project space. Um, I got into this a little bit in the mid curve Discord not that a couple of days ago, where you know a lot of people are talking about apes running up again, and I'm not convinced. To, you know, as much as I'm a fan of what apes have built and what they are, that apes have a narrative that allows them to run in a significant way. Now, will they go up if ETH goes up and everything goes up? Yes, but I don't know if they're going to take off because I think that in my mind, they kind of had their shot once already and now they're kind of like, they've got a bunch of stuff weighing them down. But more than almost anything, when we talk about NFTs, to me, what's weighing them down is that their narrative has played out. And what I mean by that is that they're... Their story was, hey, it's a cool NFT and like kids are wearing it on t-shirts and and it's like there's people, celebrities are buying them and it's the NFT to get. And you can only get that once, I think. I don't think you get that again. Um, and now I think in general, the NFT, the board ape NFT is associated in some ways with that moment. And it's the risk of IP taking off. 
is that if an IP takes off and it's not well kind of managed or the the market without any sort of sense of the of the person that does it um, decides it's not that interesting anymore, it's very, very hard to come back from that. Whereas I think Pudgies in my mind haven't had that moment. We think of Pudgies as a really like kind of large project in the NFT space. And we're all, uh, those of us who are in, inside it have followed it really closely and know the FUD that happened when Cole uh, left and all that sort of stuff that went down and when Luca came in and bought it. But they haven't really um, ever had their like giant moment in the sun in a world of lots of people paying attention to NFTs again. And I think Luca, for better or for worse, has like kind of smallly sort of to build that momentum and maybe the expectation that that's coming. So part of me thinks is like, that's part of what's going on here with this pricing as it is. Um, but also, you know, who knows? It could just be price discovery and it's been it's been time. Um, let's talk a little bit about this and, and ask y'all what you think. Um, Grant, you've been in the NFT space for a while. You've seen your fair share of PFP projects. You've, you've been in and you've been out of a lot of stuff. Why do you think Pudgies is having the moment it is right now? Uh, they, they don't have the overhang of having already dropped uh, a ton of collections and most importantly an ERC uh, 20 token uh, which has historically marked the ultra giga pico never come back from at top right and mm -hmm. if I am Yuga I am closely paying attention to a select one or two projects who have somehow managed to sneakily deprecate existing and older ERC 20s and replace them uh, by pivoting narrative not going to name them but if <laughs> I were Yuga I'd be paying attention to that Pudges don't have that pretty simple and they've already gone through like periods of uh, i guess you could call them max fud although you know shit could always get worse as, as we know in, in in the crypto space and yeah i think i think for now it's it's ct writing the narrative of oh hey these are cute and we can see this uh potentially taking off in, in the mainstream and in, in walmart and in uh in my personal experience like a like a summer a summer night market uh in somewhere in, in the west coast uh, earlier the, <laughs> earlier this this fall you have to explain um, what that is for non-canadians uh, grant i don't think a lot of canadians or or not actually you should have to explain that for americans i feel like that americans yeah, don't know what night markets are it's a night market if you have any ounce of like multiculturalism you're gonna get it anyway <laughs> anyway i don't think like retail has fully kind of rode on to pudge's back but i do i do agree it's like you know, it's going to be the leading indicator moving forward of general NFT momentum, uh, aside from, you know, gaming projects, which are a totally different basket. Yeah, for sure. We, we can talk briefly about those, too. But um, anybody else? Uh, Sadie, what do you think about it? I would just like to petition for Grant's unfiltered thoughts on Americans for like five minutes at the beginning of every podcast. <laughs> I don't know if our American listeners can handle it. Let's just put it that way. Um, Funky, I think you underestimate us. Grant. <laughs> Fair. Um, Pudgy um, has had a lot of time to think about how to sequence capital raising and whether or not they can issue a token. Obviously trickier in the context of being US-based, but um, I think it's everything Grant said, plus um, raising private dollars has also tended to pump NFT prices. Uh, it's often a sell the news event, but uh, could be that too. Okay, that's interesting. Um, Eric, what about you? Thoughts on Pudgies? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have really anything novel to say. It doesn't have the same baggage as as some of the other existing ecosystems. Um, you know, I think Luca has largely speaking kept the expectations 
um, modest relative within Web3 terms, not in absolute terms. And I say this because, you know, he went out and said, I'm going to get Pudgies into retail uh, at big outlets, uh, you know, big retail um, joints like Walmart, whereas everyone else was saying, well, this is the future of the metaverse, you know, in two years, uh, everyone's going to be here. Um, and so I, I think like he's, he's actually one of the few founders in the space that have set uh, relative, like achievable goals and then want to achieve them, which is always a fact pattern that you want to see in the space. And so with the potential for uh, future capital raising, with the potential for them to actually do a ERC-20, I think this is like, you know, people who have been here through the last cycle kind of, I think, take the pattern recognition into uh, like, tr it triggers the pattern recognition. I just say, well, like this is kind of, this is primed to to have its moment in the sun. And and there are like, there's actually a, a, a pretty solid list of actionable catalysts that are going to prepare prices upwards. This all makes me wonder a little bit about the idea of when do we think we see what I would refer to as like legitimate new NFT projects? Like, are we still at the, because what I, everything in the NFT space right now feels uh, recycled and, and there's old projects that are moving, but there hasn't really been like a new launch uh, for a very long time, in part because the bear sent a lot of people away. But, you know, there's there's this opportunity, I feel like, and I, I keep kind of keeping my eye out for like when one of these gets announced. And and the thing I think about a little bit is when Azuki got announced, right? Like an Azuki came out and it kind of made a, a pretty significant um, impact on the market even before it minted and then its mint was kind of hot shit and all this other stuff. And I guess that when I look at the timing of that and, and you know, Grant, as somebody who was in Azuki very early, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the mint was in January of 2022 and I think the announcement was sometime in the fall of 2021. Are we just like too far away or too, we're not deep enough into, or we're not like, it's at the beginning stages of the bull and those projects just don't appear yet? Is that what we think? Or is that that people um, are hesitant to pull the trigger on projects like that still because of where the, where the market is? Does anybody have a thought on that? I think your this question is a question of how much new capital comes into this space. Mm. Existing participants are going to have back bias you're going to have some degree of PTSD for a lot of highly volatile projects that will do zero. Um, and so I, I do think like most of them will be more rational in their decision-making about where they put their money. Um, I think it's really up to the new money uh, slash access liquidity to make the determination of, you know, which of these new projects have untold promises and, and, and proceed to jam them into the stratosphere. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. kind of what I'm... Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Zadie, go ahead. I, th I think there's a parallel in this, like, kind of, like, insider irony versus normie behavior thing that we talked about with coins. But, like, there have been some NFT projects that have done fine. Romilio's, um, ladies have done fine. Um, the... What are those? Sprodo's. Um, yep, yep. But both and of those are so, very insider projects, right? Like exactly. Like yeah. you think about what does an NFT project actually do? It allows like why do people buy shit? They buy things because they want to flex or because they think it will make them money later, right? Yeah. Um, and so people, there's like there's an aversion to cringe in the in terms of the people who are still around, and so the types of projects that have have done well are like anti flex projects or things that 
will be potentially value generative in people's minds, like gaming. Um, I think to Eric's exact point, like when the next wave comes in, like NFTs are fundamentally a gateway drug. Um, (laughs) It's 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 like the normiest end of the kind of crypto spectrum, (laughs) and um, and so I think to some degree that's what will ultimately be decided. The other thing I would say is like, as we all do more stuff on chain, like I always used to laugh when people would talk about like utility project versus PFP because PFP was the only utility. It was like a flex utility. It was like, okay, I'm rich enough to have this like fancy board ape. So like listen to my tweet threads and be my excellent liquidity, right? Um, That was massive utility at the time. Um, I think as we all do more things on the internet, like we won't be limited to content creation and perhaps like that will be less of a big deal. Uh, okay. Well, let's, um, I think we're getting close to the end of this episode. I I do kind of want to spend some time as we go forward. We did this early on in these episodes, but to kind of think about what the next week brings and and what we're paying attention to. Um, I I'm definitely paying it personally. I'm definitely paying attention to the, um, watching to see if the shit coin boom is kind of done for right now. And I think it might be, but I'm keeping my eye on, on launches and just seeing if there's anything there. It feels like we've kind of played out that narrative for right now. And you saw a uh, GFY, uh, really peak hard and then kind of crash down. And, and when we start to see those kind of things, I feel like we're we're at least on a pause right now from shitcoins. I say that, and then there'll probably be another token like there was yesterday uh, for the Gemini token that went from zero to what six million in in but whatever six hours something like that. So it's still opportunities there, but I don't know if the shitcoin space is going to be popping in the way that it has over the, at least for the rest of the year. Um, Eric, what are you looking at right now for the uh, upcoming weeks? Uh, I think there's a couple of project specific minutes that, you know, I've, I'm watching, obviously, Jito um, Solana was today, and I'm watching the price action there very closely, um, because it's it's basically Lido for Sol. And so I think, like, narratively, there's there's some angles there. Uh, Jupiter, you know, the other major, basically, DAX slash, uh, you know, perp DAX on Solana is also going to do their airdrop. Um, so th- I think there's going to be a fair amount of fanfare on that front. Um, outside of the ecosystem itself, you, you know, we have a couple of GameFi launches coming. Um, we have, I, I think, I think there's a lot of projects that are going to start to preview product uh, in anticipation of a token. And I, I, I think like with how the big time token and how some of these other GameFi tokens have performed in the recent weeks, um, the ceiling for gaming projects have have meaningfully increased. Um, and so that for me, like near term is the rotation that I really care about. Uh, and I, I, there are certain things that I, I don't want to talk about here that I, I think like are going to be uh, value maximizing opportunities for people who are on top of it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I don't know if you all, you, I'm sure you all have, but following the Becker move, Alex Becker moves into these gaming tokens, it's a little annoying to me because he's pretty much been right in a lot of them. Anyway, that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, there's a game called Shrapnel that I'm very fascinated by, and I'm pissed at myself for not buying. I don't own any of it. But um, the, I believe in the GameFi ecosystem in general. Uh, Sadie, what about you? I think... Um... This is not that interesting an answer or degenerate an answer, but I think there's a couple of kind of big things that I'm big questions that I think have yet to be kind of answered about 
kind of like big chunks of uh, potentially sellable tokens that are in the market. So I believe there's still a very large amount of soul that was FTX that has not been sold. And so seeing kind of how that moves, I think will be interesting and may set the tone for kind of Q1 of next year. And then also just in terms of ETF approval and GBTC conversion and seeing whether a conversion to an ETF results in a lot of that Bitcoin hitting the market and being sold uh, because it's redeemable. Um, I think those two things for me are, it's a little bit like the Groundhog Day. <laughs> um, you know, is this is this like a really fun co- fiscal quarter of a bear market or are we actually enduring kind of a different, you know, fundamental paradigm? That's interesting. Um, Grant, what about you? I'm sorry, I've already forgotten the question. <laughs> I was hoping you were spending all this time thinking about an answer, Grant. The, it, the question was, whether uh, what are you looking forward to or what are you looking at over the next few weeks right now? Um, just kind of watching... The inflows post uh, ETF announcement, and then you know ha- have my eyes and ears out for something new and, and NFTs on on every chain. Um, and then yeah, just like the I think the the rotations as as we've talked about from chain to chain, eco to eco, are more or less mapped out, and now it's just kind of time to hunt for stuff no one is is thinking about right because like um you know axie was like a completely new paradigm that like created so much money out of thin air Steppen was one that came later on in the cycle and it just caught everyone kind of off guard uh same thing happened to you know a, a billion other nfts uh and it's just i think keeping an ear to the ground of like communities were involved in but also newer entrants right because they have they're they're fresh-eyed babes right and <laughs> this is where next are year they really where, are there enough of those fresh-eyed babes do we feel like we're going to get enough well, fresh-eyed babes next year next year will be where i think their naivete actually pays off sure uh, greatly for them and our kind of old biases and and heuristics like we need to shed a little bit of that uh to gain new perspective so yeah. like no, nothing, nothing significant right now. Just kind of hoping GameFi continues, and then you know watching closely, watching uh, inflows post the post the approval. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it's funny you say that because I have been thinking in my brain. This is the fucking most cliche thing of all time, but it, it, I spent a fair amount of time and still do Buddhist work. Uh, and one of the big things is beginner's mind, which is the idea that approaching everything with the idea that you you know it's always a new day. It's always a new day, and there's always new opportunities and new places to go. I'm sure the Buddha would appreciate the fact that. Uh, I spend uh, six hours a day looking for shitcoin launches. That's exactly what the Buddha was hoping uh, we would do with his teaching. So um, that is it for today, I think. Uh, anybody have a hey, last? Hey, everyone's in Nirvana is different fun. You know? You're so, right, exactly. You exactly know, right. I, 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 I think to Grant's point, I, there, there's going to be the pressure base is a good point, but I, I feel like for every new person that comes into um, uh, into crypto, it, you're basically like starting the, you're basically playing a different version of full metal jacket over some time frame. Yes, for sure. And, and the key is to be the people that have been through the war already so that you can recognize the new beast yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody, let's wrap up for today. That was the mid curve podcast.
that we do this every week and we are excited to come to you. Uh, please share the podcast. Please uh, come and ask us questions. If you are a fan, if you are somebody that has been listening to our show, add us at Midcurve uh, on the old X. Uh, we're going to be doing this regularly uh, every week at this time. So yeah, we're excited to have you all. Uh, we'll probably have a few guests every once in a while on this show too. So if you have guest suggestions, shoot them our way. But uh, thank you for listening and we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.